Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think the position group that probably generates the most chatter among Georgia fans this time of year is probably the wide receiver position. And there are probably a lot of reasons why this is true. On the one hand, this has kind of been a position that has really blossomed around college football. I'd say that wide receiver groups, not individual players necessarily, but the wide receiver group has become almost as important as anything when you look at you know certain teams their success i mean you can obviously make all the jokes about alabama and it's injured wide receivers rendering them incapable of doing anything but in all seriousness like the receiver position when you have a lot of very good ones that's created a lot of opportunities for success for a lot of teams ohio state in particular here think about the way in which they've hoarded elite wide receiver talent and that's obviously become a big part of their playing personality their playing profile and that has worked out pretty well for them they've been a very good team here in recent years obviously on the back of a bunch of receivers and concurrent to that you know georgia who is seemingly almost elite at every other position group when it comes to wide receiver for probably a lot of reasons kind of hasn't quite been elite in that same regard and so i think because wide receiver plays kind of fun because wide receivers when you get to the nfl level are some of the most high profile noteworthy players there i just think there's this like energy around the receiver position where i think a lot of georgia fans would openly admit they want to see guys wearing the red and black having the same kind of success that wide receivers are in other programs and most of you who are pretty plugged into this topic understand that when it comes to georgia and the wide receiver situation that this is not something that has specifically popped up during the kirby smart era a lot of what goes on for georgian wide receivers actually predates kirby smart by a long 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 way uh, a lot of you know that in the history of the georgia program our buddy terrence edwards who joins us each and every thursday by the way more on him in a moment but our buddy terrence edwards the only receiver in the history of this program to have more than a thousand yards in one season it's uh it's it's kind of remarkable to think that for a georgia program that's created so much success for so many different players in so many different spots the receiver position at least compared to what other programs have have done receivers historically speaking and certainly in the present tense you know present day have just not quite enjoyed that level of success so it leads a lot of georgia fans to wonder well when is that going to change let's talk a little bit more about this here for a moment and i'm going to use some words from kirby smart to help us build to something that i think it's important to note when it comes to georgia's chances of producing a great receiver on the roster maybe right now georgia's chances of producing a great receiver possibly being better than they are oftentimes given credit for let's start with kirby smart though going back to a g day here for a moment smart obviously acknowledging on the heels of what he saw from his team during the spring the growth the development of certain players the return to health of other players that this was an arrow pointed up for the position group you'll remember the audio clip we played for you the other day of smart's interview back in may when he's on the radio station there in uh, alabama talking about how we have three or four wide receivers that we you know, feel pretty good about you'll remember him saying that and i guess the spring probably the genesis of some of those positive vibes and smart talked after after g-day back in april about the growth that he saw from that gr- uh, group during the spring and kind of where he wanted to see the next phase of evolution for them there as well this is kirby smart on wide receivers going back to g-day in april i think we got better like we got younger players better we still are where we need to be like I'm, i really feel good lad and ad they're they're, they're sec wideouts they can compete at a high level but when you go past that, you got Marcus who's done a tremendous job. Marcus is extremely smart. He can play all positions. So we don't have like, okay, this guy's got a hamstring. Who's going in? You know, like we don't we don't have that. We've got to uh, grow that. We got to get Arian, Jackson, CJ, Denylon up to speed. In days like today, get them closer. But they're not there yet. We're not there yet. We have to continue to grow. You look at Arian has an elite trait and. We try to use that elite trade as much as possible, um, but we're not where we need to be at, at wide out. And we got some more guys coming, so we're going to get some guys to help out. I think that's a pretty wide-ranging and honest assessment from Smart. It includes uh, 
dash of optimism. He believes that, you know, guys like Ladd and AD have stepped up and other guys could be on their way to joining them. But it also features a healthy dose of realism there as well, which is that as of yet, this position group is not quite yet where it needs to be. And at the very end there, you hear Smart say, well, in addition to the growth that we've seen from certain players on this roster, and Smart mentioned those players by name, Smart also talked about the crop of players that Georgia has coming in as freshman receivers there too. And if you want to go back to signing day back in February, uh, Smart got into more detail about kind of what he's hoping to see from the newcomers to this uh, team. They're those freshman wide receivers, part of the 2022 signing class and as a way of kind of you know adding an amendum uh you know addendum to what smart was saying there a moment ago once again from february on the freshman wide receivers that georgia signed as a part of its most recent signing class kirby one more time well it starts with speed you got to have vertical speed down the field and we feel like we've got some guys that can really stretch the field and do that um high character you got to be able to, to, to learn you got to be able to uh buy into the the offense, the the understand the splits, understand the route tree, understand all the things, the intricacies that go into playing the position. Um, and we got a really good group there. I think each one of those guys that we've been able to bring on board brings a different attribute, you know, whether it's excellent speed, excellent size, uh, quickness, toughness, all those things you look for. And um, in, in, in wideout is another position that when you look across the board, we're we're down like we were down all year not just because of injury we were just down because we had three or four leave um and now we're trying to replace all those guys and play catch up uh and that's tough to do in, in our league i like to have the numbers where we kind of hit quota and if you're finding out more and more now it's easier to leave than it is to get them so we got to get some more guys there interesting to hear smart say that and yet ultimately this team wasn't active in the transfer portal during the offseason leading you to believe either they didn't see someone in the portal they thought could help them or maybe they do just feel better about the group they kind of have there right now but all of that from smart is a way to lead into a look at the signing class from the 2022 cycle in one name in particular that's kind of earned some praise here over the course of the last couple of days. Dylan Bell is a three-star signee out of the state of Texas. I think he's ranked you know somewhere around 450 whatever in the uh, in, in the country from the 24/7 Sports Composite. But that relatively meager recruiting ranking has not stopped him from getting a lot of attention from a guy that obviously we're big fans of here on this show, the great former Georgia wide receiver. Terrence Edwards, who sometimes goes on Twitter to share his thoughts about various things around football, including members of this Georgia team. And Terrence apparently sees a lot that he likes in Dylan Bell. Some of you have seen this. We haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Let me show you Terrence Edwards here on the screen, though, talking about his feelings on Bell, saying that last year he predicted that A.D. Mitchell would be a star, and he was. Well, Kirby found another one when it comes to Dylan Bell. He's built like a running back, 6'1", 214 pounds, has natural hands, and I can't wait to see how Brian uh, McClendon, the new wide receivers coach, is able to develop this t- kid. And Terrence gives you kind of a go dogs as a punctuation mark on all of that. Now, I don't have to tell you something you already know if you're a regular viewer or listener to this program. Terrence's opinion carries a lot of weight with us. We have a lot of respect for Terrence on the things that he says. So if Terrence, who did talk up A.D. Mitchell a year ago and did talk up uh, Lad McConkey a year ago, uh, when he's saying those kinds of things, we're going to lean in a little more closely on that. And if he's saying those kinds of things about a guy like Dylan Bell for this upcoming cycle, we're going to lean in pretty closely on that, too. We just kind of believe Terrence's opinion on this because not only was he such a great receiver in his own right, but he's also a really good coach working with receivers here right now. This is a guy who has immersed himself in that position so he he has an opinion that carries a lot of weight with us however i also kind of understand that there's a sense in which these kinds of comments oftentimes are going to be met with some skepticism because you know a guy like dylan bell is not the same thing as the five-star wide receiver that may have signed at ohio state or the five-star wide receiver that may be you know doing whatever else for other programs there's a level of glitz and glamour that other programs seem to cultivate the wide receiver position that guys like dylan bell who terrence edwards mentioned or guys like lad mcconkey and ad mitchell who kirby smart mentioned going back to the comment from g-day 
that those guys, those sort of three-star level recruits, they don't seem to cultivate that same level of prestige as some of the other high-profile wide receivers around the country. And I totally get that. And it is probably a little bit odd that Georgia, who seems to have no limitations on recruiting five stars at almost every other position, quarterback included, over the years, but almost every other position, Georgia is absolutely a destination for five stars of all stripes, of all varieties, almost every position. There seems to have been a little bit of barrier in terms of attracting that player uh, here at the wide receiver position. You sort of have to be honest, that's true. We've done that already this summer. However, let me give you kind of one more thing to think about on this, that whether it's Dylan Bell showing up and doing something great, as Terrence predicts right there, or another step forward for a guy like Ladd McConkey or a guy like A.D. Mitchell, having a player currently on the Georgia roster turning into not just a good receiver not just good by Georgia's standards but actually good by anybody's standards having a guy on this roster turn into a great receiver is actually maybe not quite as impossible as it might seem and I want to use the NFL draft as proof here just for a moment I went back and looked at like the last handful of NFL drafts like the last three for instance and what you see is a first of all wide receivers very popular in terms of being first round picks in the nfl draft and some of them are exactly who you think they would be garrett wilson former great recruit you know you can mention all kinds of like former great recruits that go on to be first round picks you know even jamar chase not a five-star but top 100 type player you know on and on you go of a lot of the receivers who get drafted in the first round of the nfl draft were at least top 100 level recruits certainly four-star guys many cases five-star guys But for whatever reason, when it comes to great performers of the receiver position who do go on to have first round draft pick level success, they are not all former elite recruits. In fact, there's a fairly common thread of three star guys going on to have first round level success, the receiver position that should not be ignored and should be discussed, especially at a place like Georgia, where some of the receivers that you're leaning on and hoping to have big production have a recruiting profile that looks similar to these players for instance chris Olave was a first round pick in the most recent nfl draft he himself coming out of high school was a former three-star recruit for all of the five stars that have had unbelievable success in the ohio state program and there are a lot of them there's still a lot of them who are still left there right now one of the best receivers they've had in recent years Olave, was himself a recruit not that different than Dylan Bell, not that different than Ladd McConkey, not that different than A.D. Mitchell, not that different than other players that Georgia's kind of had in the program. Same thing prior year, Kadarius Tony of Florida. Now listen, I don't like giving any sort of praise or acknowledgement to anything being good about the lousy stinking gators but Kadarius tony was a dynamic playmaker while uh, at the university of florida and as a recruit he looked a lot like the other recruits that florida was signing during that same period guys who were sort of three starish and, and, and maybe not standing out too much on national signing day by the time his career there in gainesville was done he himself became a first round pick without having been a a great recruit justin jefferson the year before that from lsu kind of much the same way a guy who was very prolific in that joe brady joe burrow offense for the tigers there in uh, 2019 but the big stats that he was putting up certainly would not have been hinted or suggested by the the recruiting profile he had coming in lsu it wasn't robust at all he himself was another three-star type guy he also had a couple of like very lowly rated junior college uh wide receivers who've gone on to first round success over the course of the last four or five years there as well not every wide receiver in other words who's been taken in the first round has been a great recruit so when you look at georgia and its current wide receiver crop i think that ought to give you some hope now terrence is more confident in dylan bell than i probably am personally and he was more confident in guys like ad mitchell and Lyle mcconkey a year ago than i certainly was there as well his confidence probably born from the fact he just knows the position better than i do so i am not going to sit here and tell you i know for a fact so and so is going to be the next chris olave or so and so is going to be the next justin jefferson i'm not going to tell you that because i don't know for sure but i do know this it's certainly possible and as Georgia kind of thinks about its 2023 cycle and hoping to win with like a Jane Hale or a Hakeem Williams or, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, guys, Malik Benson, guys, you know, guys along those lines, as Georgia tries to win with more elite receivers for the future, and you certainly hold out hope for that. 
I think you also hold out a little bit of hope there as well for the guys currently on this roster. They are not as sterling from a recruiting standpoint as the players at other positions or maybe wide receivers at other programs who Georgia's competing alongside with. But the history, recent history of these receivers going on in the NFL draft shows you that not everybody who breaks out and not everybody becomes a star was truly a four or five star prospect when they were coming up out of high school. Uh, Terrence Edwards says that he thinks that Dylan Bell can be great, a three-star signee for UGA in 2022. Uh, The recent history of other players of similar profiles who did go on to greatness at least suggests that Terrence's prediction has a chance of coming true. My name's Brandon Adams. This is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on Video 945, dognation.com, and the Dog Nation app. We'll take your comments there for those of you joining us on those platforms. And then at 10 a.m., it's an all-skate. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of live options for you there on video, leading to a radio broadcast at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 or a podcast podcast broadcast anytime you want it across all of the podcast platforms we're just so happy to have you as a part of our program here today and we are so grateful for our friends and engineered solutions of georgia that make it all possible there's a lot of rain yesterday i was uh uh, sitting on the porch for a minute, and just saw that rain just come roaring down loud. My wife was mad because I didn't get the ferns uh, out to get uh, watered in time. But uh, nonetheless, uh, tons of rain. And I always kind of like to kind of sit there and enjoy a little bit of a summer shower. But for some of you, the presence of rain does not bring any feeling of enjoyment whatsoever because you know it's going to create anxiety for you because you're going to see water creeping in where it's not supposed to be. Basement, crawl space, garage maybe even. Uh, and it all kind of reminds you about some issues that you've heard me talking about before that you know you need to get seen about that you haven't done yet. Like those cracks in the wall that you might have, signs of a potential foundation issue. Well, listen, it's time to get off the fence here. It's time to get involved and let the folks at Engineered Solutions of Georgia tell you what's going on. After all, they are a solutions-based company. The word solutions right there in their name. What that means for you is they're going to tell you, hey, this little thing that you're seeing, it's either a big problem or it may only be a simple fix. If it's only a simple fix, they're happy to tell you about that. But if it's something more substantial, they want to work with you on that there as well. And they want to put the full weight of their resources behind you. They got an entire team of engineers ready to meet your needs, solve your problem. They're the only uh, company in the area that can say that kind of thing. And that's the kind of work they want to be able to do for you. They're also proud partners of UGA, which we love. Great to support those who support the dogs. And they've been longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily there as well. And I am truly, sincerely grateful for those of you that help uh, support those that help support us. So check out my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. You can give them a call by dialing 678-ESOG now. That's right. You can dial 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We've got Connor Riley here coming up in just a moment. We'll talk to him about a lot of things, including the receiver position there that we just mentioned. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse. And I like lists. I like things that create reasons for debate and chatter. And I I enjoy all of that. Yesterday, we got a little bit of a version of that. Walter Camp put out its preseason All-America list. There are probably 8 million of these that will come out. We'll probably talk in some form or fashion about all of them. I did think think it was interesting to see three names from Georgia who made the preseason first team All-American list. Now, this is a pretty prestigious list to be on, so let me just say this very quickly, is that the recipe for Georgia this year, in terms of its championship pursuit, what would be a repeat national championship, the recipe for Georgia this year is much the same way it was a year ago or any year prior to that, that a championship team is made up by a collection of elite players playing at a top end level, that great teams are made up individually of a bunch of great players. And you can measure the greatness either by first team all SEC status, because let's face it, a first team all SEC guy is essentially the same thing as an All-American. You can measure this by future first round picks. We've talked about that plenty. And the All-American team is a pretty good way to look at this there as well. So Georgia has three guys guys on the preseason first team all-american list as it relates to a walter camp and you could probably guess who those are you got jalen carter the uh, defensive tackle you've got keely ringo the cornerback on the offensive side of the ball you've got brock bowers there at tight end so let me tell you something you probably already know that when it comes to the requisite building blocks to put together a championship team Georgia starts off in a pretty good place now do you need more than just those three to play at an elite high-end level yeah you probably do 
But to think that you already are starting off with about three guys. Ringo will be on every list that comes out. Mock drafts, all SEC, all American lists. Ringo is going to be on them all. That's a good building block. Jalen Carter will definitely be on all of them, except for Phil Steele, sort of weirdly. But that's the outlier that you can just sort of toss aside. That probably tells you more about Phil at this stage of his career than it does Jalen Carter. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, other than that, Jalen Carter is going to be on every one of those lists. Uh, and you can kind of you know feel confident in that. And then that gives you Brock Bowers there as well, who, once again, other than the Mackey Award, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't honor him again this year either. But other than that, he's going to probably be on just about every list that comes out related to all this kind of stuff. That's a pretty good nucleus to build a great team around. I think Nolan Smith growing into some sort of role. Obviously, it's more competitive when you think about a premium position like outside linebacker. But you are in a pretty good spot when it comes to all of that. But it also kind of speaks to an interesting sort of, I guess, add on to the discussion we were having there a moment ago when it comes to pass catching targets and uh, passing offense and you know what the profile for Georgia is going to be we do think a receiver for Georgia needs to step up maybe the most optimistic appraisal of all is as I said before one of these formerly less heralded recruits turning into the kind of player that a Chris Olave or Justin Jefferson kind of turned out to be but no matter what happens with all of that we do know that the central focus for Georgia's passing attack this year is going to be Brock Bowers. And I do think it is really, really intriguing to see just how good a tight end can be as kind of the focal point of a passing attack. We saw a year ago, it can be really good. But can it be even better for this upcoming season? Well, I mean, I think there are reasons to believe that a guy like Bowers, because of his unique profile as a person and as a player, I think gives him a chance to do that. And other people, their words about him carry a lot of weight for me. I remember going back to spring practice here for a moment. Brett Scyther, one of the players in that Georgia tight end room, a guy who lines up and works out and trains with Bowers and, and practices with Bowers all the time. You know, maybe no one's better suited to describe what he sees behind closed doors with Bowers every day than what Scyther said going back to the spring. So in honor of Brock being on that first team preseason all-american list from walter camp this is what brett scyther said about him back in the spring brock's an incredible athlete i think what stands out to me is how humble he is and coming in as a freshman and i i don't think i've ever seen him his head blow up he's always stayed level and super humble so that was awesome to have somebody younger come in and be like that interesting to describe uh scyther uh, describing bowers that way as someone whose head doesn't blow up who has kind of stayed humble and kind of stayed level throughout all of this. And that's maybe not such an easy thing to do when you've got so many people outside the program who are heaping so much praise on you. Now, the Mackey Award never noticed it, and so maybe that's one of the ways in which Bowers has been able to stay humble. But plenty of other people there have as well, uh, including Alabama coach Nick Saban, who certainly had some nice things to say about Bowers as these two teams were battling a lot this past postseason. This is what Saban sees when he looks across the field and sees this tight end lining up for the dogs. I think this guy is one of the premier players in college football. Uh, I know he's just a freshman, but um, this guy's got great size. He's a good blocker. He's physical. He's tough. Um, and he's got wide receiver skills in every way, shape, or form, which makes it difficult uh, being a bigger guy for uh, bigger guys to cover him. Uh, and it makes it also difficult for smaller guys to cover him. So um, this guy is just a phenomenal football player all the way around. Uh, they do a really good job of featuring his talents as well, and he's been extremely productive in a lot of ways. I know everybody always knows the passes that he catches, but he's also a really good blocker and does a good job in his part of executing whatever he needs to do to you know, help his teammates have success as well. I looked it up online. I wanted to see which tied in in the country last year had the most receiving yards of anybody and according to cfbstats.com which is always a, a great website it was trey mcbride from colorado state who had 1121 yards receiving all of this is to lead up to as i mentioned a moment ago georgia's only had one thousand yard receiver pass catcher if you want to use that phrase in, in this case in the history of its program it was terrence edwards going back to 2002 i don't think there's any doubt that bowers 
really needs to become the second player in that club here this season for Georgia to do what so many fans are hoping it does which is take another step forward offensively we've called for this program to score 42 points per game this year at least exceeding that 40 point uh, mark it seems obvious that the next step towards helping get that done is having a guy like Bowers improve on the numbers he had a year ago it is possible for for tight ends to have more than a thousand yards receiving it needs to happen for Bowers here this year you probably need to put another pass catcher alongside him having a really good year there as well but Bowers take another big leap forward statistically not only is it possible it probably really needs to happen when you listen to the praise that's coming his way certainly a lot of folks think he has the chance to get that done that is around the doghouse and we're happy to have you here today on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia and that preseason all-american list just one of the things happening around uga and around the world of college football right now what do you say we catch up on the rest of that news now uh, there as well we do it every tuesday it's our buddy connor riley it is a kroger fresh take glad to have him and all of you with us in the program today and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. So uh, fun to have Connor Riley here. Kroger Fresh Take with him on Dog Nation Daily uh, here today. And uh, Connor will bring you in on the uh, topic we were just discussing as it relates to that preseason All-American list. You know, I'm a Georgia partisan. I, I want Georgia to have a great season. I want Georgia to win the national championship again. And I do truly believe it takes a collection of great top-end level players in order to be able to to get that done. And to think that you've already got, you know, a group of three and Carter and Ringo and uh, uh, Bowers who are going to be on really everybody's list there. I'm not telling you that's enough. You probably need more guys to play at a super high-end level if you want to be a national championship team. But it's a really good nucleus to start with, and it's the kind of thing that makes me feel like, yeah, you know, Georgia's right there in every conversation that a fan wants to be in based on the fact that there are pretty easy projections to make for, for really big seasons for the trio that I just mentioned. Yeah, it helps when you have guys like – it helps when you have guys like Bowers. It helps when you have guys like, um, you know, Nolan Smith is a potential guy that can eventually develop into that. And it helps when you have a guy like Keely Ringo who's going to start the season like that. I think from there, you know, the thing that you're looking for is, and you touched on this, who are those guys that sort of make that leap? And I think it's tough to find out who that guy is going to be on defense just given there's so much turnover that you're going to see on that defensive side of the ball. You know, I think eventually Jamon Dumas-Johnson is a guy that can get there. I think eventually maybe a Kamari Lasseter, whoever ends up winning that other starting cornerback spot, can get there. But on today, June 28th, it is kind of hard to predict. So you look more to that offensive side. Could one of the Georgia running backs have a really good, have a really big season? It's tough to see just given how we know Georgia wants to split carries there. And we know there are other schools out there, like, say, Texas, that are just going to feed their bell cows and, and be John Robinson there. You know, could Cedric Von Pond, Granger, or Broderick Jones potentially be that guy on the offensive line? I think there's a possibility we see that. I think the thing to keep in mind there would be do you does Roger Jones play does the offensive line as a whole play well enough to to validate and get that you know first team all-american type yeah. player because Roger Jones is going to have the name recognition given his time as a five-star recruit but oddly enough I think so much with offensive line play it's not so much how your best player plays if you're going to earn that kind of recognition it's you know who is the weakest link and how bad are they and Georgia has a chance this year I think to have a really talented offensive line so if you're going to look at other places to get those sorts of players I I think the first one you have to look at there would be that offensive line yeah I think that's exactly right I think a it's the kind of place where you would like to be great if you could have a value-added offensive line it has a chance to just reverberate through the rest of the program i think that's true and i also think the potential is there with a guy like broderick jones and obviously you know svp and even with mcclendon a little bit on the other side you know you you feel pretty good about some of those guys but broderick jones one of those guys that you could conceivably see grow into a really big role the other name that you mentioned that i think is pretty fascinating here is nolan smith because you know nolan i think most of us would say well he, you know he's got a chance to have a great season i do believe that's true but he's also the guy most obviously playing in someone else's shadow. I don't know that there's a defensive lineman out there 
uh, right now that I think that rivals what I believe Jalen Carter can do. And, you know, obviously cornerbacks, pretty competitive premium position, but I, you know, feel pretty good about where Ringo, you know, stands among the nation's best. For Nolan, when it comes to that sort of edge rusher spot, that kind of guy, I mean, there's just such an obvious great player. And listen, I don't like Alabama, and I feel like there's too much in the media when it comes to praising Alabama. So I don't really want to add to that when, when possible, but you'll never hear me say a bad thing about Will Anderson. He truly is a great player. That, that Nolan kind of finds himself in a little bit of an interesting position. Of all the potentially great UGA players, he is the one that most obviously seems to play in the shadow of another player filling a similar role for a team. I think it speaks to the premium nature of that outside linebacker edge rusher spot, but also you know kind of speaks to if you want to make the kind of really big impact from that position then it means being you know what an Anderson is I mean really you know Dallas Turner's not too far from that you know type of, type of guy there at Alabama there as well that Nolan may be the guy that we're talking about here that maybe most has his work cut out for him in terms of being able to go out there and do that well and the other problem that I think sort of exists for Nolan is that he's a guy who he's asked to do so much for this Georgia team this Georgia program you know excel as a run uh, as a run defender being able to drop back into coverage, help guys get lined up. He only had three and a half sacks last season, and when so many people are looking for these All-American lists, they're not digging through the tape yeah. and watching every single play of every player in the country, but they'll pull up CFB stats and see, oh, who has so many sacks? When Nolan Smith comes in with three and a half, and then you see someone like Robert Beal, who was pretty much a non-factor in the first half of the season and then finally get it started to get some playing time in the second half, when he nearly doubles the sack output there, it, it does sort of make it harder for people to stand up and, and get on the table and say, Nolan Smith is a no doubt about it, you know, one of the 22 best players in the country. And could he certainly get there by the end of the year? Yeah, and I think right now if you're making a list, I don't think there are more than, say, 40 players in this country that are better than what Nolan Smith is going to be for Georgia this year. But this is, I think, an example of in, in another NFL example that is a little tied to Georgia is a guy like Leonard Floyd, who yeah. when he was first with the Chicago Bears, they asked him to do so many different things, and, and he did most of it well. But because he wasn't getting those sack numbers, there was the thought that he wasn't this great player, this bust. He goes to the Los Angeles Rams, I believe, gets double-digit sack numbers in each of the last two seasons. And everyone's like, oh, th this guy actually is a pretty great contributor there. And so I think if Nolan's role was maybe perhaps a little bit more simplified, he'd have bigger numbers. He'd have a much bigger you know, stage where he's probably a guy who is certainly capable and has the sort of ability to be the fourth player on an All-American list. But for circumstances outside of his control and the fact that Georgia asks him to make so many, you know, individual sacrifices for the betterment of the team. I think that's the reason you don't necessarily see him on this list. And it'll be interesting over the course of the year if he's able to put up the sort of numbers you usually see from those outside linebackers, from those pass rushers, to sort of have that sort of season where, you know, Will Anderson, 15 sacks, no doubt about it. If Nolan, if Nolan can get to double digits, that's probably what's going to be needed for that to be a sort of all-American type year for Nolan Smith. Every year, it seems like there is a great receiver that emerges, measuring by NFL draft, if you want to do that, who was not a former elite recruit. I mentioned Chris Lave, Justin Jefferson, guys like that. I really take some comfort in that, knowing that Georgia needs to have a big breakout player from its receiving core there as well. And a lot of the guys it's going to lean on are not really the kinds of guys who were former five-star guys. A.D. Mitchell, who showed you some promise last year. Lad McConkey, who showed you some promise last year. Terrence Edwards praising, you know, uh, Dylan Bell, who was also kind of that three-star, you know, variety. That I certainly believe it's possible that one of those guys could be a, a really special wide receiver, even though the recruiting profile suggests otherwise, because there are examples of this happening in other places. Connor, you follow the NFL draft a lot more closely than I do. What do you think about the correlation between, you know, success from receivers who just don't quite necessarily all have those rubber stamped blue chip credentials? Well, I, so I, I think the worry there and, you know, from a Georgia perspective, you look at Chris Olave, you look at Justin Jefferson, we'll use those two guys. Those guys had the no doubt about a production to, you know, maybe perhaps overcome some of the questions that they had about their measurables and about their ability to run a fast 40 ability, you know, things that they certainly factor into your recruiting ranking. And I just don't know that an A.D. Mitchell or a Lad McConkey this season 
are going to be the types of guys to sort of get the target share, to get the, the attention needed to get it and put up those type numbers. I think maybe if you're looking for a guy who could potentially develop into that, it'd have to be a guy in Arian Smith who we know has that straight line speed and measurables. We know that if he's able to prove that he can get on the field, he's a guy who, even though he might only end up with, say, 30 catches, he can finish somewhere in the ballpark of 600, 700 total receiving yards and close to eight, nine touchdowns if he's healthy. I think he can potentially be that good of a player for Georgia. And, you know, you look at a guy like, say, Jalen Rager, who I think had a similar profile in terms of that speed and that ability and transferring that on to the next level there. And so uh, while having said that, and that, you know, I, I, I don't see a world where A.D. Mitchell and Lad McConkey are the guys to get, you know, into that first round pick, stra- pick stratosphere, they're still going to be really, really good players and guys who are capable of making big time plays. You know, you think back, obviously, A.D. Mitchell in the national championship game last season, Lad McConkey coming up big in the Auburn game. I think these guys are certainly capable of winning one-on-one matchups and helping this Georgia passing offense and being difference makers for this team. But in, in sort of studying the NFL draft, I don't see these guys having the, the right sort of blend of college-level production with NFL-level traits to maybe push them into that first-round pick stratosphere where so many players have gone in recent seasons. Yeah, I guess here's my most hopeful assessment of this, and I'll admit that I'm seeking you know, a positive outcome when I mention this is that when you look at some of the success that George has had, you know, when you think about three-star guys who've like really blossomed in other, you know, positions, some of what you see is certain players were just sort of better than anybody else thought they were. Like like Georgia seemed to know something about Jordan Davis, other people didn't. Seemed to maybe know something years ago about DeAndre Baker that 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 other folks, you know, didn't. There are some examples of that. You know, I guess I'm sort of hopeful that one of these receivers could potentially be kind of a similar situation and maybe the easiest guy to gravitate is ad mitchell who oh, i probably do gravitate towards a lot because he had the kind of unorthodox sort of high school story that would maybe lead some recruiters to not know as much about him and you know maybe there's similar situation with what allowed dylan bell to kind of slip through the cracks there a little bit too but you're just sort of hopeful that that you know georgia kind of maybe knew something about a guy like Mitchell that he sort of seemed to know about some of the other players there as well. And there is a chance that, hey, you know, maybe Georgia has just kind of found another diamond in the rough there, much the same way it has at other spots. Yeah, and I, let's go back to A.D. Mitchell's and sort of refresh, you know, the recruitment there. He was a pandemic recruit, which already sort of put him, you know, it, it, that, that 2021 cycle, we know the least about in terms of those players coming in and what they were going to potentially bring to their respective schools. So you have that there. Again, as you mentioned, didn't play a high school season He his senior year. Was sending clips of him working out in the backyard to the Georgia coaching staff. And so I, I think when you add everything together there, you know, he was sort of an off-the-beaten-trail. There were no national camps for him to go compete at and go showcase his stuff to the sorts of people that evaluate recruiting rankings. And I think because of that, he, he sort of slipped through the cracks from a national perspective he very clearly proved early on last year that he has the natural ability the ability to stretch the field quick twitch is something you hear often in describing ad mitchell uh to to be a higher ranked recruit and so in that circumstance i do think that you know he he fits in that jordan davis type mold where this was a guy that just the recruiting industry sort of missed on for a variety of reasons there and so i think the big thing i I actually want to see from mitchell I believe he can make the spectacular plays. I'm not surprised that he hauled in that pass in the national championship game. The big thing that Mitchell's going to have to work on, especially to really improve his stock when it comes to the next level, he's got to improve just his overall hands. He has way too many, you know, catches that should be routine that end up turning into drops and so it sounds like an easy adjustment to make and if he's able to do that I think you can see his production go up and increase going forward and I'll say this as well he is only entering his second year in the Georgia program and so I you know I don't know what his season look like, looks like just because there are so many guys in that wide receiver room where we do have high expectations. I think Kyrus Jackson is probably my bet right now to lead the team in receiving this season. Interesting I, prediction. I think Arian Smith is a guy who can have a really big impact, again, provided he's able to stay on the field. And that's before even getting into the tight end room when you have Brock Bowers, Arik Gilbert, Darnell Washington, Brett Scyther, so many guys that are able to contribute there. So I think this is an example of it'll be interesting to see who can stay healthy in this wide receiver room this year and whoever is best able to do that is probably going to be the guy that ends up leading this team in receiving and you mean from the receiver position of course 
You don't think? Well, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not above Bowers, right? I actually, I think Harris Jackson is going to have more receiving yards this year than Brock Bowers. That is a big prediction right there, and I would love to hear more about that at some point in time. Very, very interesting uh, prediction. Very, 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 very bold statement to uh, to be sure. Interesting to hear more about that as the weeks progress. Let me talk about quarterback here for a moment. You've obviously written about this at DogNation.com, and you've got, I think, more stuff coming in the days to come there as well in the aftermath of the Arch Manning news. It's certainly intriguing. I've said on the show that my read of the situation from UGA fans is they're a lot more interested in hearing, at least I, the best I can tell, in the future of guys like you know Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton, than they are you know Julian Say and Jaden Davis, future recruits that, that might be coming in. What do you think is next for Georgia quarterback? And I'm going to leave the question relatively broad, whether it be recruiting, whether it be development of guys who are currently here. What comes next now that Arch is going to Texas? Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right in pointing out and saying the things about the 2024 recruiting you know, quarterbacks because Jaden Davis uh, out of the Charlotte area, my understanding is he's been a longtime Georgia Bulldogs fan. Julian saying out of the California area, the number two ranked quarterback in this class. 2024 signing day is so far away that it, it, it makes it hard to really, you know, there's going to be two full football seasons played between now and then, you know, and, and to put that in perspective, there were two football seasons played, you know, go, you have to go back to 2019. Jake Fromm was the quarterback of this program. James Coley was the offensive coordinator. Joe Burrow was still in college. The sort of time that is expected to elapse between that. So mm-hmm. I, I think the big thing that, and I'm going to have a story on this later today, and I've sort of touched on it. I do think this puts a much more interesting, you know, lens on Gunnar Stockton because let, let's remember this. When Gunnar Stockton first committed to Georgia back in January of 2021, he was a five-star quarterback prospect, the kind of guy that people thought was going to be this, you know, I don't want to say Arch Manning type player, but clearly a very talented prospect. And then, you know, Gunnar Stockton did not sort of engage in the national quarterback industrial complex last year. Didn't go <laughs> any, do any of the Elite 11 stuff. Didn't really go to these camps. And so because of that, his and tied in with the fact that he's playing in a lower classification in Georgia high school football and not really playing against elite guys on a week-in, week-out basis, his recruiting ranking drops. And he ends up finishing as the number seven overall quarterback, I think number 124 overall quarterback prospect. And so... You know, the, ro- the the bloom sort of has come off the rose of Gunnar Stockton here, but with no Arch Manning on the way, and I'll be really interested to see what Georgia ends up doing at the quarterback position in this recruiting cycle because it, I, I, as, it's, as we sit here right now, if you're looking at the marquee list of names, I don't think Georgia's going to get one of the marquee high school recruits. Now, they can obviously flip someone, and odds are telling us in the past they probably will, but I do think that it puts a, a larger microscope on the development of Gunnar Stockton because I think just about every Georgia fan out there that thought Arch Manning was coming probably assumed that Arch Manning would leapfrog Gunnar Stockton in the sort of you know quarterback pecking order relatively quickly. That's not going to be the case anymore. And, and one of the things that I think this coaching staff loves the most about Gunnar Stockton is he has the sort of right mental makeup you want to see of. He's going to be okay not pushing for starting time year one. And being honest, probably even year two as Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff are going to battle it out to be, I think, the starting quarterback going forward. But he's a guy who I think they're comfortable taking a, a, a longer development and knowing that he's going to stick around. And after this sort of Arch Manning news and and it looks like Georgia strikeout might not be the proper word to describe their 2023 quarterback recruiting, but it's not going to end up being a guy as talented as Arch Manning you have to take a longer-term view in your quarterback room now, and I think that's where having a guy in Gunnar Stockton who is clearly going to be a long-term player at the University of Georgia ends up probably being a pretty good thing for this program. Yeah, I don't like trying to pretend to be a scout because that's not what I am, and people should take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But my biggest question about Gunnar Stockton coming out of high school is, and this sounds crazy because he had so many passing stats, such a huge prolific passer during his career there at Raven County working in a very effective offense. But to me, he's a little bit of a guy that is certainly very comfortable running when he gets himself into harm's way. He's very strong. He has a little bit of a Tim Tebow running style. And it's the kind of thing I think you just got to get out of your system moving to college. You cannot lower your shoulder. 
I mean, that's just a terrible idea against these SEC pass rushers who are kind of chasing you down. And so, you know, my evaluation of Stockton for the two cents that it's worth in terms of his ability to be a big time quarterback at the next level is how quickly can you shake off what worked well for you in high school, which was, hey, if you got into a little bit of trouble, you could always, you know, you could always plow forward and getting a few rushing yards to keep a play alive or or to avoid a sack or whatever else. And that style that seemed to work well for him at the high school level, to me, that's the first thing that's got to go as he transitions to to a, a college rank. And that's like the one thing that would probably slow me down on making any kind of big projection for him at the college level is is of all the quarterbacks that Georgia has, of the film that I've seen, the style that Stockton was comfortable playing with is the one that I'm, I guess, the most curious about how well that would translate to the next level. Yeah, and I think maybe a more apt comparison, and I'm comparing in terms of games, not in terms of personality here, would be like a Baker Mayfield type, a guy who clearly has some athleticism to him and is capable of running around a little bit against lesser competition, but then you put him out there on a field with SEC killers, and it very quickly becomes, oh, this guy's, this guy's athleticism is a notch below you know, the truly elite players out there. And, and I think, you know, playing in a Todd Munkin offense, what we've seen so far, you know, a guy like Setson Bennett, clearly a, a mobile guy, a guy able to move around and make plays with his legs when necessary. But I think under Todd Munkin, we've seen more often than not, he wants to, he wants to win with your quarterback's arm because that's mm-hmm. what you're really relying on on a down-by-down basis there. And touching on it a second ago, I think with Gunner, again, they're going to have some time with him where there's not going to be a rush to put him out on the field, get him ready, and skip steps in his development there because I I do think both Brock Vandergriff and Carson Beck are so far ahead of where he is right now, which is to be expected. You know, Brock Vandergriff didn't do a whole lot as a true freshman. Carson Beck obviously didn't do a whole lot there either. And so I, I think now what this Arch Manning sort of decision forces Georgia to do is it has to take a longer-term view at this quarterback position. You know, I, I think right now as it stands, barring them going out and getting someone from the transfer portal, Stetson Bennett is going to finish it. And I, when I say transfer portal, I mean, you know, a year from now. Yeah, They're not sure. doing it before this season. Yeah, that's right. Stetson Bennett's going to be your starting quarterback uh, during the 2022 season. I expect him to start every single game for Georgia. And then going into 2023, I think Brock Vandergriff or Carson Beck are going to battle it out. And whoever wins that will probably have two years of starting eligibility. And then from there, you sort of figure out what the future of this quarterback position looks like, whether it be Gunnar Stockton being that guy or someone in that 2024 recruiting. Let me say this very quickly, too, because I want to get one more topic before we're done. I think we've seen an interesting trend evolve in college football where a few years ago, freshman quarterbacks, new starters, inexperienced guys having success was really in vogue. That's what Manziel was in 2012. That's what Jameis Winston was in 2013. There have been, uh, you know, Georgia's had its share of freshman quarterbacks in that you know same you know you know basic time frame that's not as much in vogue as it used to be you know Bryce Young waited for a year you know uh, CJ Stroud waited for a year you know th- there are guys who have seasoned themselves while waiting for their chance to play and I think there's a chance that maybe Arch Manning even does that at Texas assuming things go well for Quinn Ewers that that we're kind of in a day and age where talented quarterbacks waiting and getting better while waiting that's a little more fashionable than it was even four or five years ago right and i'd even point out you know the two guys you mentioned manzel and winston i believe they registered their first year there as well i know winston did and i believe manzel did there i think you're right at texas a&m so and and you touch on it there with arch manning you know i don't think he's going to go in and start over quinn ewers and yes unless quinn ewers who was a similarly hyped quarterback prospect to that of manning just ends up going in and stinking up the joint. And so, you know, I, I, I do see a lot of people saying, oh, this secession plan at Texas made a lot more sense. Quinn Ewers will be there for two years. He'll go off to the NFL, and, and then Arch Manning will step in. And on the one hand, I want to say, before anointing Quinn Ewers, because he was anointed when he went to Ohio State, let's see him throw like a real pass in a game of consequence uh, before making these long-term sort of projections there. But two, I think to the larger point, I do think that's a part of the reason why Arch went to Texas and why he, you know, even with Quinn Hughes, wasn't really worried about that. Like you've said this time and time again, all these quarterbacks believe they are the best guy in the room, regardless of what age they are. And, And so ultimately at the end of the day, Arch Manning is going to believe when he steps on campus there in Austin, that he is going to be the best player at the University of Texas. And it's going to take some time for him to actually get there. But with the way you have to play quarterback, you have to believe you are the guy in that room. And so I do think, you know, with the success that we've seen, guys like Bryce Young have waiting a year, C.J. Stroud, 
Uh, those guys in recent seasons, even a guy like Joe Burrow who waited a few years to, before developing into who he was, that sort of waiting period helps you, I, I think, lessen the expectations. Now, Arch Manning is always going to have massive expectations there. But that waiting a year, growing, really getting comfortable in a system there, I think has proven to be pretty valuable. And that's why I think you've seen a lot of times sort of adapt, adopt that model of thinking when it comes to their quarterback. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here right now. Of course, Kroger letting you gear up for grilling here during the summer season. Such a fun thing to be able to do. And they got all kinds of uh, ways for you to turn up the heat and enjoy great flavor all summer long. Uh, outside entertaining needs, everything you need for the food, the furniture, everything else that goes along with that. You can get that there when it comes to Kroger. Kroger.com slash summer grilling for more on that. Kroger.com slash summer dash grilling for more on that. Connor, we've gone very, very late here. So let me let you have a final thought here. Big eruption at Florida over the weekend. The start of the Billy Napier era is not going well. He's writing open letters. The collective associated with Gator NIL is being criticized. They're missing out on elite recruits left and right. What do you make of the turmoil that seems to be surrounding Florida here at the moment? It 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 kind of feels like Florida is turning into Tennessee a little bit here in the sense that this fan base, at least from an online perspective, is so hungry and so wanting to get back to a national level that it is, I think, starting to get to a point where it might be starting to harm the national perspective of how people view it mm-hmm. and what that means going forward. And, you know, like the players that are in-house there working for Billy Napier right now, you know, getting ready for this coming season, I'm, I'm sure they're not putting a whole lot of stock and emphasis into what is going on in the recruiting world right now. But if you're a high school recruit out there, if you're you know someone who's interested in watching Florida from afar, <coughs> it's hard not to get worried about what you see sort of happening with this fan base where you know you and I were talking about their schedule yesterday. They have three September games where they're probably not going to lose all three, home against Utah, home against Kentucky at mm-hmm. Tennessee. But there's a world where you could see it happening. And it's possible. more likely than not, you're probably going to see them go one and two during that month. And – Boy, if there's already this much negativity and this much pessimism around the Florida program before Billy Napier has even ever played a game, you wonder what happens when the losses, which happen at every first-year coach and every first-year program, you think Kirby Smart. Now, granted, Napier has been a head coach before, but Kirby Smart, he goes 7-5 and five that first year, and you were around the program then as well. There was not a lot of happiness and joy during that 2016 season, and so – Once those losses start piling up, when you've already got the pessimism coming at you from a recruiting angle, man, it gets gets really hard to start your tenure off on the right foot. And we've seen a number of times guys who just can't get their footing at a program, especially one as big as Florida, and and ultimately it just spirals. And I think the thing that's most interesting to me is it already seems, at least from an outside perspective, this program might be already spiring a little bit before Billy Napier even gets the opportunity to coach in his first game. Yeah, that's exactly right. Good, good stuff, Connor. Thanks for your time here on our Kroger Fresh Take here today. We'll look forward to reading a lot more from you at dognation.com and, of course, chatting with you here on our program again very soon there as well. Yep, yeah, as always, was a player. Thank you. Take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, no doubt a fascinating situation unfolding in Florida. And it's one of those things where things can just sort of spiral out of control quickly. Now, Connor makes the comparison to Tennessee, and I think this is interesting, is that Tennessee was also viewed to be a total disaster last offseason. And on the field, the Vols played better than almost anyone thought they would. I was very vocal in thinking they're going to be one of the worst teams in the SEC. Turned out I was wrong about that. And it wasn't just Josh Heupel's, you know, tricky offense that led to that success. I mean, a lot of people who watched them closely, I'm talking about football coaches, uh, told me they thought they were way better on defense. They had any right to be. They were just playing harder, playing more focused than their level of talent would suggest the possibility. So there is at least some chance that on the field, all of the the you know crazy, weird stuff that's happened off the field is a total non-factor. And actually, they go out there and play better you know, in games that maybe some folks think they're going to. Certainly there's no connection necessarily between the NIL, you know, hysteria and the actual on field performance. But, you know, a year ago we saw Josh Heupel because of what he did on the field bring a lot of quiet to the turmoil that existed around the program until they started throwing mustard bottles at least. But the point is you, you, uh, last year on the field, Tennessee kind of 
ended a lot of controversy by simply playing better. And Billy Napier, once games begin, is going to have a chance to do something very similar. All right, we're going to talk more about the SEC here coming up as we go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I told you yesterday, I am so excited because I've got my own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation booked, at least my next one. Uh, it's coming up in 2023, kind of once we get past the football season. I'm really excited about that. I'm going to be on Wonder of the Seas, the largest cruise ship in the world. I can't wait for that really excited about that and listen you can have your own level of excitement when you get ready for your own royal caribbean cruise vacation whether you want one of the big ones for seven night sailing you may say well ba i'm not quite so sure i'm ready to do that yet i want to kind of dip my toe in the water uh pun intended maybe i want one of these three or four night sailings that maybe leaves out of port canaveral and goes to the bahamas a lot of those most of them include a stop by perfect day coco Cay, which you love and you get a taste of royal caribbean uh, and maybe after that, you're ready for the big seven day night sailing, but you want to start with one of those three or four night sailings there as well. Think about Independence of the Seas. We were on that back in April. Or think about uh, Mariner of the Seas. That also goes out of Port Canaveral doing one of those shorter sailings. Well, listen, there are a lot of ways you can enjoy that. Our friends of the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you choose the Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation that's right for you. So make sure you check them out online, tcava.com. That's TCAVA.com, or give them a call, 770-952-8300, 770-952-8300, and they'll get you set up on the Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation that's perfect for you. All right, we are running crazy late, got a lot to do here, so let's see if we can bounce through all of this here right now. We mentioned before the three Georgia players earning first-team nods when it comes to the Walter Camp preseason All-America list. There are 10 SEC names in total on the Walter Camp list, I want to spend a couple of seconds here on two names from the SEC, obviously not from Georgia, and also not on the first team. When I think about swing players in the league this season, a couple of names that come to mind for me, and I'll stay with Florida because we were just talking about them. Uh, Javon Dexter, who's you know on the All-American list, but not a first-team guy. You know, Right now, you sort of also see him commonly mock draft, like second and third round. That's a guy, if he raises his level of play, if he you know, you know, know, puts himself in that first-round conversation, if he puts himself in that first-team All-America conversation, that's a guy that could really raise the fortunes of Florida there as well. There's a lot of attention on Anthony Richardson right now, the Gators quarterback, how good that he can be. I believe he's probably a step up from what Florida has had, certainly last year at the quarterback spot when he was kind of sharing time with Emory Jones. Dan Mullen, really the only guy that thought Emory Jones was the answer there for the Gators. So Richardson's going to get a lot of attention but to me it's a guy like Javon Dexter who actually probably has the fate of Florida more in his hands because this is a guy of you know one of the rare elite recruits that kind of has signed with Florida in recent years and one of the guys who's shown some of the promise of living up to that billing if he has a great season Florida could find a way to get that extra win or two to make folks feel a little bit better about the Billy Napier era keep your eyes on Dexter he got some all-american consideration from Walter Camp another guy in a similar situation at least in terms of where he's kind of ranked second team all-american was Kayshawn Butte the wide receiver at LSU now we've told you that before that we think in terms of measuring Brian Kelly's ability to make himself at home in LSU, winning over a guy like Butte, who has seemed to have one foot in, one foot out of the LSU program for quite some time here, getting him fully back bought in, getting him to have the kind of great season you've come to expect from LSU wide receivers, you know, getting that level of success from, uh, from, from Butte here would be about as big of a first-season success story as Kelly might be able to write for himself. And if you get the big year from Butte, regardless, I mean, right now, the LSU quarterback situation is totally up in the air. You know, Jane Daniels comes in from Arizona State. I'm honestly not sure how good he really is at this point in time. Miles Brennan's had a million chances to win that job, never really has. I'm not quite so sure how good he is either. But the presence of Butte having an All-American level season for LSU would certainly make the job easier for whatever LSU quarterback kind of emerges there. That's another example of one of those early preseason All-American guys that if he truly lives up to that hype or even better, could make things easier on a first-year coach. Kelly with Butte there at LSU, Javon Dexter for uh, Billy Napier there at Florida. Keep your eye on them. We've got another denial coming out of the 
Jane Rashada story on three writing about this and featuring all kinds of outlandish claims about turning down $11 million, going to Miami for $9 million. And basically everybody involved in this is essentially denied it, even though the one guy, Mike Castino, the lawyer, was speaking on the record two on three. But Jane Rashada has come out and said that he's had no conversation about Miami really NIL at all because in the state of Florida that is not legal and I guess I'm not a lawyer so I don't know you know it's like for guys in California that's where Rashad is from it is legal for a high school athlete to get NIL money but in a state like Florida their law says that you can't use it as an inducement for recruiting there has been some push in Florida to change that law in light of Travis Hunter going to Jackson State instead of Florida State but as of now that law is still on the books as written that NIL can't be used as an inducement. So certainly there's plenty of motivation for everybody involved in this to lie. And we are left not really knowing what the truth is, but it's very interesting to see how many denials from how many different key figures one news story can produce. But the on three piece on Jade and Rashada uh, from over the weekend certainly sets the standard on that. We told you a lot yesterday about Florida turmoil players you know recruits seemingly turning away from the program another former five-star transfer into the program has not lasted very long demarcus bowman who really didn't do much for the gators and probably was not in line to actually even be they're starting running back for this upcoming season i believe a louisiana lafayette transfer is going to end up getting that honor but bowman is now bouncing out of gainesville this is a former five-star sonny to clemson who transferred to florida and now on his way to play for gus malzahn there at ucf so a little more to deal with there for the gators pup howard a four-star our linebacker you've heard us talk about him maybe before well he announced his pledge to south carolina yesterday pretty quietly uh, shane beamer is a pretty big factor here in recruiting not every guy they're bringing in is is a truly elite prospect but man they are making a bunch of noise uh they, they do that welcome home th- thing that's kind of their uh uh tagline every time they get a big recruit it seems like beamer's been saying that a lot as of late including a four-star linebacker uh joining the program there so uh congratulations to coach beamer for picking up another win paul feinbaum's got a new book coming out and i guess the central focus of the book is going to be the feud with nick saban and jimbo fisher kind of a quick turnaround on a book on something like that that's really kind of already lost some of its steam but nonetheless feinbaum's got a book coming out on that and i guess sources are saying that a portion of this book is also going to focus on the relationship that saban has with georgia coach kirby smart now if you're smart i'm guessing you don't like being the subject of anybody's book here uh but i do think to see how much detail Feinbaum gets into about the the smart Saban relationship could be kind of interesting. We've told you before that there were a lot of layers to this, and over the course of years, it seems like it may have soured some. There have been others who've reported on this before too, like Ross Dellinger and uh, uh, I think uh, Chris Lowe ha- has there as well. That you know, two guys that worked together for a long time. Smart has gotten out of the shadow of Nick Saban and had his own level of success. That has the tendency to complicate any relationship, and it seems like the Smart Saban relationship has been pretty complicated. And maybe Paul Feinbaum will touch on some of that in his new book. And then finally, there's this, Kay and Lee, a uh, really good-looking defensive back out of a very talented Cedar Grove program, one-time Georgia commitment, has now uh, pledged to Ohio State. So interesting to see Lee go into the Buckeyes here. Also interesting to know that Ohio State's a pretty big factor here in the state of Georgia right now, especially with defensive backs. You know, it certainly seems like one of the big names in the wish list of almost every UGA fan is a guy like Caleb Downs the five-star safety at a mill creek and it stands right now it seems like maybe a program like ohio state may have a little bit better footing in on that than georgia probably does so another example of the buckeyes being still a pretty big factor in the state of georgia the commitment of k and lee there on that and we will make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean so golden shoe time and the Jaden Rashada thing continues to be a big deal for the uh, Florida fans and a big deal for those of us who like making fun of Florida for their ineptitude. So one of the accounts associated with the Gators was on Twitter trashing Rashada and it drew a quick rebuke from a from a UGA fan. This was shared to me by our buddy uh, George on tap. Let me show this to you. 
So you had uh, uh, this Florida account saying, if you're a five-star recruit and you choose to play for a school that's lost six <laughs> more games five years in a row, you obviously don't have the decision-making skills necessary to play for the Florida Gators. And a Georgia account called Skinny Dog 10 says, quote, decision-making skills with a reference back to the Marco Wilson shoe throw. And uh, Georgia on tap shared this with me. So I'm going to give golden shoes to everybody involved here. Georgia on tap for sharing it with me. Skinny Dog 10 for making fun of uh, Floor. And of course, Marco Wilson for the shoe throw that started it all. Uh, plenty of golden shoes to go around there on that. By the way, speaking of lousy, stinking gators, my oh my, it's been 4,919 days since they've won a national championship. Been plenty of bad decisions in the intervening time since then. Probably more to come there as well, including in Jacksonville. Our Gator Hater Countdown reminding you, dogs, 123 days from right now, will be beaten up on those lousy, stinking Gators again, and won't that be fun? Thanks for being with us, y'all. Appreciate Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll see you again tomorrow. And on the podcast, I'm now the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Of course, R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. I was looking at some of the comments in response to the story about the Georgia players in the All-American list, and... Basically, a couple of guys, BDW3184 and Good Time Dog, are both kind of talking about the fact that, you know, nice to see some Georgia players getting the respect that they've earned. And, you know, I, I get that. And oftentimes it seems like we have chatter about like award consideration or all conference or all American type lists. It does kind of come down to, well, so and so just doesn't have any idea of how good so and so player is. Certainly a year ago when. Brock Bowers failed to be nominated as a finalist for the Mackey Award. That clearly seemed to be a huge omission. And if you're a Georgia fan, you are kind of left to wonder, well, how could they have gotten that one so wrong? And there is, I think, a craving as a fan to have your players on your team honored in an appropriate fashion. There's just something to be said for you know seeing your players get what you think they deserve. It's frustrating when that doesn't happen. But I think when you see guys like bowers and ringo and jalen carter on the preseason all-american list this is more than just hey you know georgia guys getting respect this is more than that i think every very good team has to have a collection of players who are so good they can't be ignored was it is it glenn close and uh fatal attraction says i will not be ignored uh you know when you have you know a certain group of players who are so noteworthy there is no omitting them there is no failing to make mention of them that they are just the the obvious choice and and listen sometimes and over the course of the years i probably i I probably have way stronger opinions about the all sec list they have the all-american list and over the course of the years you'll see a certain player kind of mentioned on that all-american list or that all-conference list either pre-season or at the end of the season you're like honestly i saw that guy play and he wasn't that great that there is a certain thing in football but where by the time you achieve kind of like common household name status actually sometimes you've actually stopped playing as well as you used to but you've just sort of achieved the rubber stamp status and that's a little bit different than what i'm talking about here that great teams are built on the backs of great players and great players oftentimes are obvious they make themselves into household names because you know, it's it's impossible not to notice the contribution they're making. The fact that Georgia starts off a year with a couple of those guys on defense, one of those guys on offense, I think it sets the stage for what could be another team that really from an overall tam- talent standpoint very much rivals what it put together a year ago. I continue to believe that from the national championship conversation standpoint, in other words, that Georgia's actually a little undervalued, that it has the kind of elite top end top-end talent profile resembling the kinds of teams that that win the national championship and obviously Georgia's looking to come back and do that for a second consecutive season and based on some of the preseason chatter that's out there right now it's not obvious to me they won't so obviously your comments are always welcome here you can reach out to me on twitter at dog nation daily or in the comment section at dognation.com and we will keep this conversation going and we'll do it again tomorrow it's our podcast cool down presented by rs andrews find them online rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs and of course dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia before that we'll talk to you again tomorrow everybody